You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and Snarky Faith is radio for the spiritually disenfranchised. If you've had enough of the insanity in Christianity, you have come to the right place. Here at Snarky Faith, we're all about finding a sane faith grounded in reality and working to make the world a better place in tangible ways. This is not a zone for spiritual escapism. Sunday school answers are Christianese. We're here to call out religious BS and look for better ways forward. On today's show, we're going to do something a little different. And it's really just going to entail a conversation amongst friends. I think you're going to find it interesting, but before we get to that, just a reminder that this broadcast and all past podcasts can be found at www.snarkyfaith.com and wherever else you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, we're here, we're there, we're everywhere. Just look for Snarky Faith. And if you're looking to interact more with the show, you can find the Snarky Faith page on Facebook. Or you can drop me a line at questions at snarkyfaith.com. And feel free to reach out because I love, love, love chatting and connecting with listeners. So I hope everyone's doing well this week. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to stay cool with it getting very, very hot here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, but a shout out to my friends and listeners in the Pacific Northwest Apparently you were roasting. Apparently it feels like hell there with how hot it is. But you know, one thing I'm going to tell you guys, don't worry. Don't worry. It really doesn't feel like hell because hell doesn't exist. Boom. That's how it's done. This early in the show already. I know. So I'll tell you guys, this show is action packed with conversation today. And for those that have reached out and said, Hey, we need some more Christian crazy. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. We've got like, we've been pent up, right? We, we're a little backed up with the Christian crazy since we've been having different kinds of shows these past couple weeks. So I promise you next week, you'll get, you'll get your Christian crazy. Don't worry. And if you're just listening to the show for the first time, <laughs> you don't know what you're missing out on because the Christian crazy is essentially the place where you get the choicest cuts of Christian nuts. It's beautiful and it is full of snark, but that's next week. This week, this week, I give you beautiful conversations ahead. So let us go there. Here we go. Well, today I am sitting down with some friends of mine. And so this is, this is going to be a fun conversation that I've really been looking forward to for a while. So joining us today, we have Adam and Michelle Palmer. They are musicians, ministry veterans who have worked for churches and served overseas. Michelle is currently the children's youth and family minister at Fellowship Lutheran Church in Tulsa. Adam is the technology and media minister, a worship leader, and a writer of numerous books, one of which... I will point out the gutter as one that rocked my world like 15 or so years ago um, and helped me along my, my road towards deconstructing faith and, and really figuring out what matters. So they're also the parents of five awesome human beings. Um, so Adam and Michelle, welcome, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. 
So, so cards on the table, here's what I want to do. Um, our conversation today is really going to be chatting around parenting LGBTQ plus children, but I think it also applies to parenting in general because I kind of feel like we're always uh, guiding and supporting our kids to whoever they are becoming um, in the process. And I thought no two better people to have on this conversation uh, would be you two guys. And especially, it's not very often I have guests that have let me crash on their couch in the past. So, <laughs> so listeners just realize these are good people. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit. So give us a little about like some of like your, your, your ministry walk, your family, a uh, little, what are Palmer's in a nutshell and some of your journey? Oh man, Palmer's in a nutshell, AP. Uh, how big is the nutshell? <laughs> uh, we're going to say like walnut or maybe, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, just, yeah, give, give, give us a snapshot of some of you guys, your faith and your family. Cause you guys have, you guys have an awesome. Well, thank you. Um, we grew up. Um, we both grew up, grew up in evangelical contexts, and um, that's kind of how we wound up getting on the path that we wound up getting on. Mm -hmm. uh, Ministry-wise, we started we started off being in a band together um, and tried to sort of break into the music industry that way. It didn't really work. Um, we started having children and realized that um, some things were some musical goals were going to have to get put on hold so that we could parent our kids. We kind of came to a crossroads where we had to say, are we going to pursue music or are we going to pursue being parents? Mm. Because for us, those two things weren't feasible to be done at the same time. So uh, that's how we started leading worship at the church we attended at the time. Um, now I would say we led the musical part of the worship. Um, and How liturgical of uh, you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so we focused on being a family, raising our kids. And then we sort of looked towards fostering and adoption. We um, attempted to um, have an international adoption that led us overseas for a year. Um, that fell through. So we came back. And really, we're at a, a again at a crossroads where we didn't really know what what an ex, an honest expression of faith looked like for us. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think each of us went on our own individual faith journeys, but we also kind of went on it together in a sense and discovered through a series of, I believe, Holy Spirit led encounters that. Um, that a more liturgical form of worship or what would be called a mainline form of worship um, really spoke to both of our souls. And so we entered into communities that were fostering those types of worship. Um, and now we are both uh, on staff at a, at a church in the ELCA communion um, and, uh, and are really, there's a word that I'm looking for there. Uh, <laughs> So we're both on staff in an ELCA community, and I think are really determining and living out our faith as best as we know how. Yeah. You concur, um, concur, Michelle? Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. You, you checked all the boxes. Good. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, and, and one of the reasons having this conversation today is that we are both we collectively are both parents um, of LGBTQ children, and. One of the thing, reasons I wanted to have this conversation is that I don't always feel that there's enough resources and enough people having these types of conversations out there. I think a lot of times parents are ha and or parents or supporters or caregivers are oftentimes being thrown into something that they're not always sure how to handle. 
And I'm not saying that we have all the answers here, but I was hoping for us to really be able to share some of our collective wisdom and, and scrape what we have for this because you know, this isn't simply just about parenting. It's also kind of about creating healthy and affirming spaces for people to live and to grow in. And I'll just throw a couple stats out because this is what was just, it continues to hit me, is that just that LGBTQ uh, seriously contemplates suicide at three times the rate of, of yeah. heterosexual children. LGBT mm -hmm. youth are almost five times likely to have attempted suicide compared to heterosexual youth. LGBT youth who come from highly rejecting families are 8.4 times as likely to have attempted suicide. And then recently yeah. in a national study, too, 40% of transgender adults have, have reported having suicide attempts. Um, and 92% of these individuals tried it before the age of 25. And, and if we are people that are about doing Jesus things as loving others, inviting people into it, and parenting with love and grace, this, this, this has to change. The way we love people has to change. The spaces we have to change. So, well, and those statistics should break your heart. It, 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 they always do. They always do. Mm -hmm. They always do. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. And, and I, I want to ask you guys this, because part of my story is how my views have, like, of faith and sexuality have evolved over time. For me, it was like I, I had friends in college come out to me, and I was like, okay, you're my friend. Mm -hmm. You know, because I came from, like, a, a Southern Baptist background, so it was more like, you know, you know what to hate. And then, you know, I, then I, then I worked. Then well, I, that was easy. Oh, yeah. it was. It was, yeah. That's, they, they teach us how to hate. Cut and well. dry. <laughs> and then I worked with youth inside and outside the church and was able to see how parents reacted poorly to, to kids coming out, kids getting kicked out of their house, kids being just living on the streets and things of that nature, which continue to break my heart. And I worked for churches that saw people as second-class citizens to work, you know, along. You can be a member, you can give money, uh, you can volunteer, but you can't lead. You know, even churches that would be quasi, they would say they're affirming, but you still can't lead, which still breaks my heart also. And then for me, having a, yeah, having a child that's LGBTQ, it, it's, it's one of those things, you know, she came out in middle school, now she's going off to college. But, you know, for me, it's been a lot of wrestling. And me and my wife have done a lot of wrestling, too, with protection and what we do for them. So for you guys, how, how, is, your, how is your views on this changed over time? Oh, yeah, we were told who to hate, too. <laughs> Super easy. Well, except it would be put as <laughs> well. Hate, hate the sin. sin. Hate the sin. Yeah, hate love the them. sin. Love the sinner. Well, if you don't have to think about it, you know, if you don't really know folks mm -hmm. that are LGBTQ, which typically, um, you know, makes it easy to have it be cut and dry, right? Like, oh yeah, those are the folks on the outside. And since you don't have anybody that you know and love, maybe um, that personally then it, it creates like a real easy way to just be like oh yeah that, that's them mm -hmm. and and you don't even have to really learn um or dig deeper and ask those hard questions of deconstruction and ask the questions of is this is what i've been told actually what jesus is saying and um then then you know, like you said, you had friends that, that came out to you. And I think for uh, me, you know, um, we, we uh, definitely deconstructed, read the books, did, you know, did that, and then had a close friend um, who came out to us. And, um, and then we saw, uh, this was a friend in ministry, and we saw the way that he was treated. Um, this was a person who before he came out was a leader was uh, 
loved, beloved, um, incredible youth minister um, or, or youth volunteer, I should say, um, did ministry with, with students. And, um, and then, you know, after coming out was limited and was told, you know, uh, you're not uh, welcome. To, to do that anymore and and how devastating that that was and how um, isolating for someone who gave their like life to student ministries to be told you know no thank you <laughs> uh, you know and just to see that and then so I think um, yeah knowing someone always it changes changes the story. Yeah, I would concur. Um, and then just to add on to that, I think for me, because I grew up in a in an evangelical stew, so much of my formation of right and wrong was, well, what does scripture say? And um, so without really understanding that all of scripture is interpretation, and so we tend to interpret some parts literally in some parts figuratively in those interpretations, um, whether we use those frameworks changes on what we want it to say. Um, and so for me, uh, there were there are two things that I can really point to. One was I read a book called Does Jesus Really Love Me? by um, uh, an out gay Christian man named Jeff Chu, C-H-U. Um, and that really helped me to understand that that you can be a faithful Christian and be gay, um, that those two things are not um, oxymorons, that those two things are compatible. So that was thing one. And then thing two was I was always told that it was a choice, you know, you're choosing to live in sin. Um, and then I, and then we had our oldest daughter is left-handed. And so I started to think, why, why is she left-handed? So I started thinking about hand dominance and I was like, first of all, we're both right-handed. So how do we have a left-handed kid? And second <laughs> of all, why is she just persisting in this obstinate track of writing and drawing with her left hand? Everything's so much harder. Yeah. Why would she <laughs> choose to live that way? The world is not made for left-handed people, guys. And so, and then I was like, ah, okay. So it makes sense. She's not being obstinate. She's not being sinful or prideful or disobedient. She's not rebelling. She just is left-handed and she's an amazing artist and she does it all with her left hand and I can't. And so, um, so those are the two things. It was, it was that book and then kind of the realization of hand dominance. Hmm. Now, one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you guys on, um, because part of it is I've, I've experienced you guys and and how, how very connected and dialed in you are with your kids. You guys are very present, and it's always a joy when I've been around you and your kids before. It's it's a joy to kind of see the how the the hive works uh, in, in your family, kind of a thing too. There, there's a lot of love and affirmation there. And one of the things I thought that both of you did very beautifully, and I was going to ask you to tell a little bit of your story of of Noel, and was what touched me so much was the way that you wrote about Noel's process online. I thought in a very beautiful and a very loving and in a very affirming um, and caring and parenting way. It was one of the things that just, I was just, I was, it kind of choked me up. I was like, this is beautiful. This is what it should look like. You know, we hear horror stories of what it shouldn't look like. I've been around situations with kids of what it shouldn't look like. And, but to see this happening, it was very beautiful watching this process. So I don't know who would want to, who wants to 
unpack that story a little bit? So I shared this post um, on Trans, trans Day of trans Visibility, day of visibility mm-hmm. to uh, my Instagram and my Facebook. Um, Noel had come out to us uh, a year prior. Well, mm-hmm. a year, a year, roughly a year. We won't, we won't be <laughs> exact. And, you know, we wrestled, uh, went back and forth. It's not our story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, like every person's story is their own and it's sacred and it shouldn't be something that we, we tread lightly with, you know, like we, we want to protect those, like you were saying earlier, how you protect your daughter's story. And, and so in, and yet still um, realizing that uh, we are a part of that story, gratefully, humbly, the Lord has placed us in in um, this story together, and so acknowledging and affirming the place and the part that we play and that we have. I shared this uh, with Adam. We 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 collaborated on this uh, together, as pretty much we do on all of life. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. If you read it, go ahead. Today is Trans Day of Visibility, and in the past, Michelle Palmer and I would have made a post about loving trans folks and welcoming them to our table. And then last year, around this time, she came out. Turns out a trans woman had been at our table all along. In the most tender and vulnerable conversation, our Noelle told us who she really was. She shared some of her story, and we could do nothing but wrap our arms around her and tell her she was beloved and welcomed. She was ours completely, and we were hers and we would walk this out together. What an honor to be trusted with such tender truths. We began to journey with her into therapy and she received a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, a condition where, as we explained to her younger sisters, your brain is a different gender than how your outside body looks. And that makes it hurt very bad inside. So you want to do all you can to make your body and your gender match. They got it right away and because of their innocence and their love. Noelle decided to begin HRT, and we supported her in finding a wonderful doctor to care for her. We spoke with close family friends, and they have been wonderfully affirming. Her sisters are her greatest allies. She has navigated this beautifully, and we are wrecked with pride. Managing her school, transitioning, attending doctor's appointments, launching two successful Kickstarter campaigns, and starting her own online store, and all during a pandemic. What a woman. In Genesis, the ancient text says that God created day and night, the dry land and sea, and called it all good. Beloveds, we live on this glorious earth, and if we open our eyes, we are all well aware of the in-between spaces that are implied in those verses. It is dusk as we write this, looking at another beautiful Oklahoma sunset, and this is also a God-created space, neither day nor night. We've been captivated all our lives long by sunrises and sunsets, And though we love the ocean and live on the land, marshes and deltas are also integral spaces in between. We can't have one without the other. These transitional spaces were also created by our creator. As Christians, we claim these spaces and these beloveds to Christ. Trans babies, you are seen, loved, and needed. The world would not be whole without you. We are on your side. You are always welcome at our table. Thank you. No, and thank you for guys sharing it. And it's it's also it's one thing to to read something; it's also to hear it from someone as well, too. So I love being able to hear it in your guys' voices and as you're telling <laughs> the story. One of the things that I I know I I've struggled with in sharing my daughter Ada's story more is 
is this kind of thing as a, as, as, as a parent, we want to like protect them. You know, we, we know as like, you know, for being on the earth for a long period of time, we want to protect our kids so much. And, and for us, like for, for Miriam and I, it's, it's having family members that are, you know, or extended family members that we know will not be kind. Um, and things of that nature to where we have just kind of let her walk it as she wants to and just kind of direct us along the way of what to do. But um, from what you guys yeah. have walked through, like one, one of the tensions I, I feel like that, that, that Miriam and I have, come, have kind of wrestled with is that whole like dichotomy between like uh, protection versus empowering mm -hmm. um, them. Because, you know, mm -hmm. one is very much based on fear and the other mm -hmm. is kind of like unleashing them. So how, how have you guys, especially in walking through what you've done with Noel, like how have you wrestled through those, those like impulses to protect versus releasing her to just be the uh, gloriousness that she is? I'm a mama bear. So I'm like literally always having impulses to protect. <laughs> I always want to protect my kids. Um, but we, you know, we let her lead the way and we, uh, you know, when, when she came out, she was like, tell whoever you want. She came out. She's, you know, um, fully was wanting to just be and, um, and, you know, we had conversations, uh, with folks, uh, with her and without her in present. Um, and that, those were her choices. Um, and they didn't all go great. I mean, a lot of them did, but we're still working that out. It's mm -hmm. messy. Stuff is messy, folks. When you're in relationship, when you love, you know, big stuff is messy. And so we don't we don't have it all worked out or figured out. Um, we're just journeying, you know, together and trying to um, listen and ask questions and respect uh, not only her process but ours as well. So. And I think that's really all of parenting is, is the sure. balance of protecting and empowering. So this is just another in a long line of challenges um, because you want to. And blessings. Yeah. Yes, true, true. <laughs> Every challenge is an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you, you, you know, our sort of parenting philosophy is that we're not raising children, we're raising future adults. Mm -hmm. And so all of parenting is, is preparation. Mm -hmm. So it's how you try to give them as much as they can handle without overloading it. Um, and so, yeah, it was really just kind of a question of, of how, how let, it was really just a question of letting her guide how mm -hmm. it all was portrayed to various family members, to the public. When we wrote that post, that was really, I mean, we kind of made a point to not be like, da, 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 we have a trans daughter. Um, and it was more like, we're just going to start folding it in and talking about it as it as just a normal thing. And so that day on the, that trans day of visibility post was really the first sort of announcement, or I think for most people who follow our story at a distance online, it was the clarification moment. Mm. It was the like, yeah, because we had been, you know, talking about it and sharing and, you know, um, we talk about the Kickstarters in, in the post. She's now had three um, and we, and they're all fully funded. Okay. Whatever brag. Sorry. Um, 
uh, so anyway, so now we talk about that because she, you know, she was sharing those. We were sharing those. Uh, if you see her Kickstarters, you're probably going to know, you know, if you read them at all, um, that, you know, she's, she's a trans woman making art and creating art. And, um, and so, so it wasn't like a secret and it wasn't that we were hiding, but we were also, um, yeah, we were just careful to, um, not even careful. That's not the word I'm trying to say. Um, I think it, to put evangelical language to it, it was a story we were shepherding into the world. <laughs> okay. LOL. Okay. That was some good Christianese <laughs> for that too. Yes, you were doing that. I love it. I love it. Um, Is and, that on brand for snarky? Faith? Oh, it's totally on brand. You're good. You're good. Um, well, one of the things like I, I've had friends too um, that, that have been wrestling through their children. Um, asking questions and coming out. And, and I remember one of my friends um, is, is on staff at a church that, that would not be affirming. And through private conversations kind of I've had with him, it's, it's been interesting walking through this with him. And it's, for me, so much of Christianity, I feel like it gets it wrong. I feel like we, we end up pigeonholing this into like, choose the child or choose your faith. You know, we, right. we, we make these weird, like, false dichotomies. I don't even know, like, I don't even know what that is. Like, um, mm -hmm. because, I mean, I feel like our faith continues just to tell us to, to love. Um, but, but see, I, I, I want, I want to, to try to glean from some of you guys, some of what you've learned through this process. And again, like you're saying, I'm in process, you guys are still in process, and we're not trying to say that we're experts in this field at all. Um, <laughs> but we are people that has, have experienced this and are continuing to experience yeah. this on the journey as we move forward. But... Mm -hmm. I remember my, my friend was, um, yeah, it was a huge curveball for him when, when his son, who had no problem with saying that I like, I like boys. And, and then it was this whole thing where he's questioning the, himself. Like he's like, he's asking me like, it's this whole spectrum of like, well, maybe it's a phase um, uh, or, or, or all the mm -hmm. way to like, then, then, then also like, did I do something wrong? What yeah. did I do to make this happen? And, and I right. feel like that we've, like, especially in, we're talking about evangelical churches, we've made this, this whole thing of, like, you must have done something. You must have done this, as opposed to, no, this is the way that God knit this human together in their beautiful right. complexity of mm -hmm. how they are as a human. We're all knit together in different ways, and, and not one mm -hmm. is greater than others. Um, but how, like, for parents, because I, I do think this, I do think that we will have some parents that or caregivers or people that are supporters of people, how, how, what would be some advice you'd give to people that are just newly starting to walk this through with someone? Um, if your kid tells you something, believe them. <laughs> Go ahead, I like that. Okay, believe, believe their child, yes, yes, so yes. Believe them. If your kid tells you they're trans, believe them. If they tell you that they're, you know, a lesbian, believe them. Believe your children. Mm. And that, yes, and I think that even like, factors into listening to them too like you'd mentioned yeah. earlier, like listening and believing mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of a big thing to just they're not joking if they if they've worked up the courage to come to you with something like this they're they're pretty darn certain yeah um it's not it's not a decision that they just made it's something that it's it's a it's something that they've accepted it's a realization, yeah, mm -hmm. an acceptance that they've come to. Um, and what an honor that they would bring you that precious truth. What an honor that they would share it mm -hmm. with you. Um, so 
if your child is sharing uh, with you for the first time, then wow, be humbled, be grateful that they love you enough to let you into this precious um, part of their lives. I love how you say that, that, that it, the, the, the admission that they're choosing to tell you it's a gift that they're offering mm -hmm. to you, not just like I'm admitting this, that I'm trusting you with mm -hmm. this part of me. Because um, I, I remember mm -hmm. that, was, that was part of my, my daughter's story was just her, her not understanding being around her friends who were always talking about these boys and this and this and this. And she thought for a while, they're just boy crazy, they're dumb. But she's just like, I don't see it. Like, I just don't, like my, I don't understand what you guys or even talking mm -hmm. about. And, and then mm -hmm. people would treat her differently because, oh, well, you're just whatever. And so for her, it was, it was like you mentioned, it wasn't like something that they just said today. I think we do that to children sometimes too, regardless of their age. Oh, you just thought this up? Or is this just a whim? But for her, her part of her story was that I, she was watching, she was looking, she was trying to figure things out. And this was something that she had to wrestle with to understand that it's true. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think a lot of a lot of um, the ways that a lot of parents interact with kids is is there's sort of like what what do you want to be when you grow up type of mentality, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I think that can subtly make us think that that you know you choose a profession, therefore you would choose an orientation. Um, so this is not something that our daughter decided she wanted to be when she grew up. I mean, it's something that she wrestled with for years mm -hmm. and kept to herself. Mm -hmm. Because I, I do think that, I do think that treasuring people's stories and being able to honor their stories, I think is very large because I've heard too many off, I've heard often too many times where people come out to their parents and it goes south. And that mm -hmm. is, you know, that's the, it almost that that's the moment it, the relationship ended. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing those stories tends to, to break my heart because I think that oftentimes we forget in the church that we're parenting to the whole person, yeah. not just like an identity or an orientation. We're not just like putting this, like, like this, these ethics off here in the corner that we parent towards this part of them. We're parenting to a human. Yeah, I think, yes, definitely. So that was another thing that I think really helped me in terms of my like theology towards the LGBTQ um, community is that, I had a coworker who was gay and I didn't even know for a long time because he was such a well-rounded individual. And he was just like this really like fit guy who was a great producer and also ran marathons. And then I found out he was gay. And then I was like, Oh wait, that's only like a part of him. That's yeah. not the entirety of him. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is just to kind of double back on the, like, if your kid comes out to you thing, I think for me, I don't want to speak for Michelle, but for me, one of the, when Noel came to, out to us as trans, it was kind of like, okay, so I know her. She's doing this. She's going on this journey. So now it's up to me to decide. She said, I want you to come on this journey with you. By coming out to us, she's acknowledging like she wants us on this journey with her. So do we accept that invitation or do we RSVP uh, with regrets? So she was doing it whether, whether we were on board or not. So if your kid comes out to you, that's the choice you have to make. Are you going to let them go alone or are you going to go with them? I love how succinctly you put that. Um, and I think that that's something that we miss because we make it about ourselves. Mm -hmm. As parents, oftentimes it always has to somehow do about us as opposed <laughs> to being about them. Now, 
when we talk and when we're talking about this, and you all have worked in and around church and church ministry for for most of your adult lives, um, yeah, <laughs> and I, I have as well. Um, I, I'm just curious about like how how do we begin to like change the narrative surrounding this from like fear and shame based conversations to more just like to love and affirmation. What are ways you guys have seen? Well, I think it depends on what kind of uh, church you're talking about. Because <laughs> I think it's <laughs> pretty wide yeah. <laughs> spectrum there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I think that there's uh, education. Folks need to educate themselves and get to know people um, in their congregations and in you know their communities that are LGBT. Uh, cue and talk to them and ask them questions and um, start orienting themselves, uh, you know, and and to where they can begin to understand the needs and um, yeah, uh, I think everything has to do with relationship. Yeah, there's no better um, cure for fear than relationship. Yeah. So, you know, for for us, I think it was, uh, I don't know how helpful a, a word like homophobia or transphobia is indicating that there's always a fear there with the the word, the, the suffix phobia. Um, but in some cases, it's pretty accurate. So I, yeah, I, for me, it was getting to know people. And what's interesting is I would get to know people and then find out that they were gay and i think that was really helpful not like i'm gonna go make friends with a gay person so i can find out what their life is like yeah um it was more like oh i'm talking to this coworker, or i'm talking to um i mean i used to when i was a freelancer full-time i worked out of coffee shops and i became kind of known as the coffee shop pastor mm-hmm. and there was um a location near our house that i would go to every afternoon and i got to know most of the staff there and on their breaks they would come sit and talk to me you got a lot of work done you guys <laughs> <laughs> um but it was interesting because i just got to know these people and then i would find out mm-hmm. you know just their story and mm-hmm. some of uh, a lot of them were, a lot of their story was, um, you know, I'm gay and I grew up in the church and I came out and everybody told me I was being obstinate and that I'm in sin and I can't come to church until I decide not to be sinful anymore. So, okay, if that's how it's going to be, then I'm just not going to come to church. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard that story a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was able to kind of, you know, that's where we sort of started developing this, this idea of sitting at our, at our table and, um, and that there is no, I think, place more vulnerable or place where you can better get to know somebody than when you're having a meal with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's a, there's a generosity there in sharing your resources, you're providing physical nourishment and um and yeah there's just a really there's something about the dinner table that i think breaks down a lot of barriers and allows for getting to know the whole person and not just somebody for their sexual orientation or their or race gender, or gender or gender identity. 
yeah. or race. Or race. I mean, like that's yeah. kind of a big conversation right now. Like, oh, well, you just got to get to know some black people. Well, I don't really want to just go talk to somebody just because they're black and yeah. say, hey, will you be my black friend? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And 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 I think I think it's so applicable too when we talk about that. Even like just I feel like we we see that in parables too that the idea that God has a wide table, and mm-hmm. and God has yeah. room at the table. Yeah, and, and I think that sure. like you mentioned the intimacy of being able to sit down with people, inviting them into your house. It it, it changes the conversation. Um, now now I I want to I want to tra- just transition a little bit to like kind of the last section of conversation that we want to have here is really around centering what you've talked about, having supportive conversations, having conversations with people. Now, you'd mentioned earlier about being able to let Noel lead you. Yeah. So so how, how do we, how, what are ways that you've seen, how do we let our kids lead us into the new? And, and what has Noel been teaching you in this process? Leading into- well, I'm not sure I understand the question. So... Try again. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, Adam had said like at one point that you were talking about how like that you had chose uh, chosen like is in processing this to let to let Noel lead you to let Noel mm-hmm. lead in this process of how we move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, choosing them to be able to see where they need to go, how they need to do it. So, how have you? Maybe the better question is, how have you learned how better to follow mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. their lead? Maybe that's the better way of putting it. I just think we have to ask questions Um, and then also trust each other and talk Mm -hmm. like the whole reason she was even able and felt safe enough to come out to us is because we had relationship and history built there that are, you know, like we are an open door. You can talk to us about anything. We're not going to, you're not getting in trouble. You're, we're not going to like get mad, you know, like that's not, we don't fly off the handle, you know, um, she, she knows that she can come to us with, with stuff and big stuff or little stuff. And usually it's little stuff, right. With our kids. So like, take those like small things and, and be chill about it. Like relax. (laughs) And the more that is your story, the safer folks feel, right? The safer our kids feel opening up more of their story and more of their lives to us. If we're always, you know, heavy and hard and every conversation's difficult, then like, we're not really going to want to have those, right? Like, I'd rather just like be, you know, in the same room and doing my own thing rather than have to uh, you know, um, participate in conversation that is going to be tough. Not to say that we only have easy conversations, not to say that we don't, you know, that that there's not struggle because we're human, right? But that I think that she was able to come to us because she had, she felt safe enough mm. to do that and trusted us and had seen that, um, you know, had, had seen, had seen that play out um, throughout her life. So Again, not to say that we're perfect. I'm really super not perfect. Um, <laughs> AP is like nodding and smiling what? over here. What? <laughs> Stuart, you are too. What is this? What? No, no, <laughs> it was good. I mean, because I, I know we it, isn't it kind of common knowledge that Adam is perfect, and is that how the whole thing works? Is that you know? Oh, no, yeah, I, no, okay, that's yeah. not how it works. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm joking. I'm joking. No, we're like no, but you're right about that. I think sometimes even as a parent, being able to <laughs> to admit to our kids that we're screw ups as parents, um, mm-hmm. you know, being able to kind of create like like tear down that narrative that like as parents we have it figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, that's been one thing uh, we've worked with our that kids. That narrative got torn down yeah. a while ago. But I mean, that <laughs> is something that that as parents we're I think very open and honest about mm-hmm. um, with our kids is that like we're making this up as we go along. So. Um, when it helps that they're all big fans of the Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack, which <laughs> has a song that literally says that. Does anybody have a map? Uh, um, <laughs> you're gonna get him marked down for fair use. He's gonna oh, sorry, I won't, I won't do it. Okay, take it out. Take um, it out. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I do think that is kind of a cornerstone of our parenting. Is like just re- being really honest with our kids and just being like, "Hey, we're doing the best we can here," but like we've never raised you before. Yeah. And so, you know, you may be the youngest of five, but you're still the first you. And so, you know, it's humbling to err and then have to go to them and say, hey, I messed up. Will you please forgive me? Mm -hmm. But I think that, again, we're raising future adults. And that's the type of attitude that we want our kids to carry into adulthood, to be able to admit mistakes and to ask for forgiveness and to understand that even though there's, that's humility, there's also a lot of strength in that Mm -hmm. rather than doubling down on an error um, and making it worse. And then in terms of like become like being better followers, I think one of the things we did with Noel was um, we did want uh just kind of in retrospect, I don't know if necessarily every decision we made along the way was maybe necessarily quote unquote the right one, but it is what we did um, is um, just making sure that she had a second opinion that was outside of her own head. So we guided her towards counseling and therapy just to kind of be like, Hey, let's, let's just make sure. We wanted to give her tools, not just make sure. I don't think necessarily but give her tools to be able to um process you know because um the things that she was kind of coming to and and each I think kids process is different um you know she was a lot older and a lot further along than um maybe some kids who are younger or whatever and I'm not trying to no you're good that's what you're saying here That, that is a better way to put it to give her tools to better understand what was going on in her body and her brain. She wasn't seeking a diagnosis, but in order to pursue HRTs, um, you know, she needed to talk to doctors. And so we were helping her to get to get through that process so that she could, um, you know, once, once they um, said gender dysphoria and she really realized, yeah, okay, now I want to begin. And everything was a process. It wasn't immediate. Every, it was months. It was, yeah. you know, everything took time and um, prayer. And, and and I would say each step was kind of like, okay, so this step is completed. How are you feeling? And that mm-hmm. is, yeah. So like when you're saying how, how do we in, include her or whatever, like we did do that. Like every, we were like, okay, so like everything doesn't just happen like at once, like, right. So it's going to be a process and we're here with you and we would sit down and say, okay, like, how are you feeling? You know, what are you thinking? Or she'd come to us and say, I, you know, I want to get started or I think this or, or whatever. And so, so all the stuff, so HRT, which for those who don't know, stands for hormone replacement therapy. Um, and, 
um, and also she's, she started transitioning when she was 18. I mean, that's when she came out to us when she was 18. So just to help with context there, but every step along the way, not just like with HRT, but also like name change mm -hmm. um, and all of the, it's quite a lot of hoops you have to jump through. So, uh, but just being present with her um, to be able to go with her to the court because here in Oklahoma, if you want to change your name, you have to appear in front of a judge and they have to grant you the opportunity, the, they have to allow you to do that. And so to be able to go with her to appear before the judge and for the judge to grant that and like congratulate and her, celebrate her after. and then to be able to celebrate her afterwards, mm -hmm. like those are the types of moments that we really wanted to be there for. Um, I mean, it's weird that like this major life moment happens in this very drab room in the Tulsa County Courthouse, <laughs> but and, and it was just the three of us because the pandemic. The pandemic, mm -hmm. so like her sisters couldn't come. Mm -hmm. Now, so, someone had asked because I've I've been talking to a few friends, um, especially before we did this interview, and I was picking their brains and saying, "Are there questions that you'd want to ask?" And one of them is. Uh, He'd asked me this. He said, how can we be an ad an ally and an advocate that doesn't hurt? Like that doesn't mm -hmm. hurt the person. Like, you know, because I think that's mm -hmm. he's stumbling through that process of trying to be an ally and advocate and he keeps mm -hmm. tripping over himself. So and, and anything along the road that you've learned about being an ally and advocate? Uh, as soon as I figure that out, I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> there are so many great resources, um, specifically Christian. I think we talked about it earlier, like the, um, you know, uh, there's books, there's, um, gosh, there's just, it, it's amazing the uh, opportunities that we have to learn and to grow and to better understand and to hear from others um, with social media and, and all of that. Um, and I think that you're going to share some of those uh, resources here um, as well. I, I've been doing um, a study, but just more for um, for youth, uh, how to be more inclusive um, in youth ministry. And um, specifically, this book that I've just finished is called Made, Known, and Loved. It's by uh, Ross Murray, who is um, a gay deacon in the ELCA uh, church. And he's got wonderful things to say. He started a camp. Um, for uh, LGBTQ, a Christian camp for LGBTQ uh, students, and it is just super inspiring, uh, the work that, that he does, and to hear, um, you know, the different ways that he has advocated and, you know, and, and uh, just grown the, the ministry. Um, I'm, I'm going to let Adam talk for a second. I'm going to look something up real quick. But... <laughs> um... I think in terms of allyship, it's a pretty thorny question because so often we want to make it about ourselves and be like, which is just, a, it's, I think that's human nature. Um, like I used to joke about in when I was in more evangelical circles about like, Hey, check out how humble I'm being right now. <laughs> um, so it's like, we tend to want to perform our allyship. So we get noticed. Um, and so one of the things I really try to do is just amplify other voices. Mm -hmm. So I understand that as a, as a white man, that I automatically have some amount of credibility in our world because that's the way our world is set up. So one of the things I try to do is just, Hey, here's this book by this person. You should read it. Here's the, you know, here's these 
tweets by these people who are in this community. And rather than quote tweeting it and being like, hey, this is my voice above yours, I just retweet it um, or just share stuff from other organizations or from other voices. Personally, I feel like I have the white male voice on lock. Like I get that perspective. (laughs) I understand it. So what can I do to open myself to others' perspectives? But it's not just about bettering me as a person, even though that's part of it. But then how can I share this information with the rest of the world? And I have, I mean, in other, in other avenues of allyship, I have had pastors of mega churches here in town come to me and say, hey, we're doing this study on this book because you, because I follow you on Instagram and you gave it a really good review. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. Oh, AP has excellent book reviews. If you want to check out his Instagram, it's definitely always. What is your Instagram really, handle, Adam? Um, I don't know what's the top it, of my head. I follow it. it is but. At that Adam Palmer. My name is Adam Palmer. Everybody calls me AP for short, including my wife. Uh, <laughs> so when she said AP, that she was talking about me. Uh, so I, that, think they, I think they figured that out. At, <laughs> I thought she was talking about the associate press the entire time. So oh, yeah, like this the has whole been like, time. was uh, super yeah. weird. Got <laughs> a little confusing in here. Uh, that's also my handle on Twitter if anybody wants to find me there. Yeah. That's where I post about other things. My Instagram, I basically just use for here's the book I'm reading and here's what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. So, so one thing, like one of my last questions I have for you guys is this. For, for, for parents that are just in like the starting stages of being able to support their kids and love their kids into this process, what is something like, what is one bit of advice you wish you had sooner? Like what is some bit of, yes, advice or wisdom that you wish someone had told you that you're like, dang it, that would have been helpful. We said it earlier for me anyway, I don't, I don't want to speak for Michelle on this, but believe them. Mm, Um, so before Noelle came out to us as trans, uh, right before she left to go to college, she came out to us as bi. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what to make of that because I wasn't very well read up on it. And so I feel like my reaction to that was probably not the best. I feel like she would agree with that, but I don't want to put words in her mouth. Mm-hmm. And so, because I didn't really believe it at first. And so I think, yeah, that initial moment when of like when they come out to you is so set in stone in their minds and it's the story that they're going to tell about that aspect of their life forever mm-hmm. so i think just if i could have that one to do over i think more immediate acceptance and more immediate belief is what i wish i would have done so okay. not necessarily would you say acceptance adam because i feel like you've been an affirming person long before any of our or like our kid you know came out to mm-hmm. to us or whatever like you've been affirming for years right we've got history of that so would you say it's acceptance or would you say that it's belief i would say in the instance of bisexuality it was acceptance because i didn't understand it because i was only thinking of uh, because because i still hold a christian sexual ethic which is one of monogamy so then it's like if you're bi how can you how can you be that and still be a christian because you're attracted to two different like you know you're attracted to all genders or two different genders so how can you live a happy and faithful life? And then, so then Noel kind of like explained it as like, well, I'm, it's basically just like opens up my dating options, doubles my dating options. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes sense. I like that. Now, now 
Now, uh, any any last words of encouragement for parents? Because I love I love how that's one of the things I like about you guys. You're very open and authentic, and you're real about this. And we're not trying to like, yeah, like you'd said, you're very humble. You're you're one of the humblest people I know. Um, <laughs> no, but but see, but what what would be some advice that you would give for parents? Adam too? said that that doesn't sound very <laughs> I said humble. Earlier, when you were that to look doesn't at sound up. very. He did. Humble. He was. Hey. He was not, <laughs> No, no. Yeah. So, yeah, but what would be something like just encouragement you'd give to parents too? Because again, like you, we've both been talking. Like we, the screw ups are part are part for the course. Yeah. But you know, what what is some encouragement that you would have? Uh, I would love to encourage you, precious parents, that you're gonna probably get it wrong, but that as long as love is at the forefront and is always your goal, then you know, grace is so enough. And, um, and we can live in that grace and believe that grace is enough, um, even for you. And even in this, whatever situation you find yourself in, I would also just encourage you that, um, it's okay to have like thoughts and feelings and process those with a therapist or to process those with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily do you need to process all those thoughts and feelings with your kid. Probably mostly you don't. So, but find a safe person to talk to you because it's, you know, it's a lot to, to kind of take, take that in, you know, when someone does tell you even as affirming as you may or may not be, it's still, you know, it's a new thing and you've got to, come to uh, understand if you don't understand. And so just give yourself grace and um, find a safe person to, to talk to. And um, I pray that, that there is one in your life that you, you can, you know, find a therapist or, or uh, an, an Adam <laughs> like I have. <laughs> Listen, if you're already married, don't find uh, an Adam. Oh yeah. That's like real bad <laughs> advice guys. Oh, sorry. Uh. <laughs> no, I I, I love that, all, and I I appreciate there's that. There's only one of me. Yeah. Oh, there's only um, one. Humble, one humble AP. That's true. That's at true. that, I think my encouragement. So Michelle and I, we touched on this earlier, but we're musicians and songwriters, and she wrote a lyric a long time ago that I think really encapsulates it, and that's "Love is a risk. That's what makes it love." Mm. Um. So it's a risk loving your kid but it's a risk worth taking Mm -hmm. in that your love is never wasted. Mm -hmm. So however it looks, and, 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 and we all love our kids to the best of our ability, but that's just the nice way of saying that we love them imperfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, You're never going to love your kid in a perfect way. So love them the best you can, but also understand that that love is will never, ever go to waste. So I think that's a beautiful that's a beautiful place to end on this. So Palmers, I I appreciate you guys. I, I thank you for for sharing your story and where you guys have been through, where you're going, and and I just I love the openness and the honesty in this because I think more conversations like this need to happen, where people are just hearing that we're we're wrestling and struggling through stuff and not always getting it right, but we're hopefully on you know a longer term. This is like more of a marathon than a sprint with our kids that we're looking at the long, you know, the whole goal of where we're wanting to go with them as opposed to just what is in this moment that we're responding and reacting to. So again, I just, I thank you guys for just being wonderful parents that I've gotten to be around um, <laughs> and, and being able to watch you guys with your kids and thank you guys so much. And if anyone wants to track you guys down online, that Adam Palmer, anyone else? 
that the best uh, place? And yeah, my wild precious life. Michelle is on Instagram at my wild precious life. Beautiful. So thank you guys so much for doing this. And uh, yeah, so thank oh, you. Thanks. thanks for having Bye. us. Thanks. Well, that's all I got this week. Much thanks to all of you for being a part of this conversation that we had this hour. And as I do every week, I send you out into the wide, wild world with the holiest amount of grace and peace and snark. I'm out of here. Catch you guys again next week. Peace.